This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman, The Waiting Game. Julie, I don't care if they play at Arapahoe High School. I just want to see baseball again for selfish reasons and for the country. I think it could be a major part of the healing process. Remembering the greatest Rockies games of all time. EY. The old Mile High Stadium with 80,000 people. Saw Eric Young hit that home run. Or 163. You know, it, it comes down to did he touch home plate or didn't he? doesn't matter because uh, Tim McClellan said he was safe. But for me, that's number one, Julie. And Drew touches base with his broadcast partner, Jeff Hewson. Any sort of conversation about how we can get this going again in, in a safe manner and how we can bring sports back up. and Because that's kind of a bonding thing for, for, for everybody. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Welcome in to show number 41, the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Girl, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm uh, I'm hanging in there. I, I think I've said, I've used that term, Julie, hanging in there uh-huh. more in the last five weeks than I have <laughs> in the last 30 years. I also, did I say this last week? Because I start to repeat myself because, you know, yeah. it's, it's, you know, deja vu all over again. Yeah. I haven't put on anything but sweats or shorts in over five weeks. You haven't worn one pair of pants in five no. weeks? No. I'm no. going to be honest with you, Drew. I had to wear pants earlier this week. I've had to wear pants back-to-back days now. It feels weird. I'm not going to lie. When you put those pants on, especially after five weeks, you're going to be like, something's wrong here. Have, let me ask you another question since we're on to <laughs> clothing. Um and fitting into our clothes. I mean, I'm doing well there because you know me, I like to work out and that's all I do now because there's nothing else to do. Um, what was I going to say, by the way? Oh, have you noticed like, cause you cook all your own meals as opposed to going out regularly, which was something that I did. Uh-huh. Do you find that you are now, and I try to eat well and I know you try to eat well, but do you find yourself when you go to the store? Oh, give me that bag of, chips oh i'm gonna get ice cream this time do you find like you're stocking up a little bit more on things like um what comfort foods you know the first and i think a lot of people can relate to this the first week or first two weeks when it was a little bit of pandemonium at the store a hundred percent like i think i told you i got unicorn mac and cheese i don't know why i needed that um cheese Mm. yeah it was good i bought a bunch of crap then I went like the next few weeks, I was really good. And then today I just went, um, I'm a, I'm a kind of a closet bulk shopper, you know, the one, like where you go to like whole foods and they have all the bulk food. I love that. And I try not to do it, but I was like, God, I need something. I need something. So I got a bunch of chocolate covered macadamia nuts. What I got. Do you have any Oreos at home? No. Do you? I don't. I thought about those the other day. I, I have not bought any chocolate chip cookies or Oreos. My weakness has been, you know, I you know I like chips and salsa. When, yeah. when we go out, you know, I always get chips and salsa. But um, I went, Julie, and I've now bought, like, I, I feel better about this, the 40% less fat <laughs> sea salt and vinegar potato chips. But you know that doesn't mean you can eat the whole bag, right? No, I usually I, I they, it only lasts like three. It's like three serve. I don't care if they tell me it's ten servings. It's three <laughs> servings. I know, I know. So tell me from what you know, 
because we're talking about how how we're eating in these times. Do you have any word on when these times might be closing, drawing to an end as far as baseball goes? Do you have any kind of update for us? Yeah, May second, um, they're going to they're going to start, and we're going to play doubleheaders every <laughs> Thursday. Stop it! Don't no. tease me. Um, I God, don't you wish that was true? Uh, <laughs> I. I feel like Sergeant Schultz on Hogan's Heroes. I know nothing. No one knows anything. If Rob Manfred was our best friend, Julie, and he was joining us right now, they have, I'm sure, a plethora of ideas. But I I mentioned, I think last week, I I talked to Dick Montford a couple of weeks ago for a while. and, and, And Dick doesn't know. We're all in this waiting period. I mean, they, they exchange ideas and, and, you know, how, you know, you can go about having a season, et cetera. But in terms of hard and fast saying, yeah, um, they're really behind closed doors saying we're starting July 1st. I don't think that's the case because they just have to wait until we have a significant decline in cases, all the things we read about every day and and enough medical people um, in, in whatever States they play say, yes, this is, you know, you can do this safely. But you, there was a something thrown into the mix. Texas now was thrown into mix, right? Like we've heard about some other maybe proposed plans. The Texas one I had not heard of. No, that was a more recent one that when I say leaked out, again, these are, these are just ideas about how you can get this done. And I think Texas landed in the fold because you have, you know, hot state in the summer, but you have two domes in that, you know, you could probably play two or three games a day in Arlington's new uh, facility, which was scheduled to open last month or a few weeks ago. And and also down in Houston at Minute Maid Park, you could play inside. And then if you included Tampa and Miami and Arizona, now you're talking about, what is that, six, five, something like that, um, domes. And so you could sprinkle in the other fields also, and then at least part of the time teams are playing indoors. Who knows? As I said last week, Julie, I don't care if they play at Arapahoe High School. I just want to see baseball again for selfish reasons and for the country. I think it could be a major part of the healing process. And I think most people will concur. It gets me angry. I got on my soapbox a little bit last week. When people say, well, you know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the same without fans. True. It would not be. Nobody wants to to see it without fans. It wouldn't be the same if if they do some sort of hybrid season and it's Cactus League versus Grapefruit League. Listen, this is unprecedented. So you're going to have an unprecedented solution, at least for 2020. Nobody's suggesting this is how it's going to go you know, forward for the next dozen years. This is for one year and everyone has to adjust. Well, I think I might've said this last week, but on the other side of that, like I'm not, I'm a huge sports fan, a Rockets fan. I'm not real interested in, in a couple weeks sitting out with 40,000 of my fellow Rockies fans either. And I don't think after what we've been through, I don't think a lot of people, I mean, I think a lot of people feel the same way. So yeah, we're not going to there might not be 40,000 people in the stands, but that also might be by some people's choice, right? I mean, it's I'm hard pressed to see that that people are going to want to get out there and be in, you know, in 2 weeks in front of all those people. So it, it you're right. It, it's going to be different all the way around. So you do, we do have an interview with Jeff Hewson, who I'm sure you guys commiserated on how much you miss each other and miss baseball. So we'll hear that a little bit later, but 
now's a really fun time in sports to on TV to reminisce about past games and all sports because that's all we can watch. We don't have live sports. One of those, of course, is uh, the the game between the Rockies and the Padres and the game 163. I think if I had to pick one game, Julie, and, and I unfortunately for me, selfishly, I didn't have the opportunity to call that because it became part of, uh, I think, Turner's package, part of the, the folks who have the, uh, the postseason. And it's still – that that was the one of the greatest games I've ever seen, and it left an indelible image in I think every Rockies fans' minds. But for me, that was number one. I mean, mm-hmm. it was back and forth. It was Jake Peavy against a Dragon Slayer, Josh Fogg. The Rockies were on this incredible roll where they had won, you know, what was it, thirteen out of fourteen to finish the regular season, and then then they still had to win one more. Milwaukee helped them out. And it goes extra innings. And then Scott Hairston hits the home run. And you're like, oh, man, how deflating. It's over. Here comes Trevor Hoffman. And then in like lickety split fashion, Matsui and Tulowitzki and Holiday. And next thing you know is, holy smokes, they can win this thing. They're going to win this thing. And even, you know, when Jamie Carroll hit that line drive to right, Brian Giles makes the catch flat footed. And you're like, Mm -hmm. well, no way. And he makes an unbelievable throw. And Holiday, for a big man, ran pretty well. And, you know, it, it comes down to did he touch home plate or didn't he? It doesn't matter because uh, Tim McClellan said he was safe. But for me, that's number one, Julie. That is the number one game uh, all time for me. So I rarely admit this, but I guess I'll just throw it out there. I had just come back from covering the Padres, so I knew all those guys. And I just am a huge fan of Trevor Hoffman. So that was, and I was in the press box and that was a tough, I, I'm going to I'm a lifelong Rockies fans, but that was as a person that covered the Padres, that was like, Oh God, that was kind of tough to swallow, but I didn't really let no, it. No, for, honestly. And I remember that because I get that from your perspective and, and Jenny Kavnar the same way, because Jenny spent a good deal of time like you did in San Diego. And you mm-hmm. kind of, you know, we, we're, everybody's a people person. You, you end up, you root for teams, but you root for people. Yeah, you root for good people. And as we all know now, and and you and I knew even back then, I mean, Buddy Black is one of the all-time great people in mm-hmm. sports, which makes it so much nicer, too, that he he's you know managing the team we all root for. But I get what you're saying, Julie. I mean, you were covering the Padres, and they had a lot of good guys. Trevor Hoffman, good guy, in addition to being – you know, a Hall of Famer. So I, I certainly understand that sentiment. You kind of, you're, you're almost a little bit torn. So I will say the most memorable game for me, I had a chance to an opportunity to go to the first Rockies game ever at Mile High, the old Mile High Stadium with 80,000 people. Saw Eric Young hit that home run. It was unlike any other baseball game for so many reasons. One, because it's the first game ever, you know, professional at the major league level in Colorado, but at Mile High Stadium, which is not a baseball stadium, but you're with 80,000 people that's so excited that the Rockies were there, that, that'll that always be my favorite game. Yeah, I was there, and, and it's really weird because it I don't remember a lot of the, of the day, yet 
you know, that's an all-timer. Obviously, the first one at Coors Field, Dante Bichette. I would say for me, number two, not to run down a, a whole list, but number two behind Game 163 was – um, I think AT&T Sportsnet just had it on recently, was the game where, you know, the Rockies had a chance to sweep the Dodgers, um, a second game of the doubleheader, Spilly hits the home run, and then um, there's two outs, nobody on. They're facing Takashi uh, Saito, who they had not had a hit against all year. And, you know, Matt Holiday has a base hit through the right side, and then Helton hits one out to win the ball game. That, to me, is a close second to Game 163. And, of course, it was only a few weeks prior to Game 163. But that whole run was was just otherworldly. Oh, that was magical for sure. Do you ever – I've never asked you this. Do you ever, when you watch a replay, do you like hearing your voice? For a lot of broadcasters, it's like, ugh. Um, that's a, it's a great question. There are – there are times where, you know, if you feel like you're you're on your game, so to speak, you then then it's okay. But uh-huh. when you feel like yeah, that, you know, then it's not as, you know, not as comfortable because you do you you're going to critique yourself and you're going to be your own toughest critic, right? Um, so yeah, I think that I think that's only natural. I I wanted to talk to you before we take a break and hear from Jeff Houston, who I love on the broadcast with you. He was fantastic. Been reading a lot about Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball, and they were having these discussions before coronavirus. But there's a big chance that I think it was like 40 teams may be in trouble around the whole minor league system. Can you tell us what's going on and and why it's going on and, and what the possibilities of that are? I do think there's going to be contraction. Um, there, there was some momentum prior to, as you mentioned, the COVID uh, pandemic, and it's it's going to be somewhere I've heard 42 teams, and and it, and it could include you know a couple of places where you know the Rockies have affiliates. Grand Junction is a great town. What what the proposal is though is that some of those cities that have been really great baseball seasons like Grand Junction. I'm not saying definitively, I don't know if Grand Junction's on the list, you know, you hear rumors, but Grand Junction is a great, not, not, not good. It is a great, you know, baseball community going back to years and years of hosting the junior college world series. They support the Rockies. So they're going to do some things where they have um, probably, you know, add some independent teams. You're going to have, you know, some collegiate summer collegiate league teams that play there They're, they've talked about having a pro, you know prospect league so some of these towns that you know part of their commerce in the summer are these minor league teams i think many of them will have a team it just may not be affiliated with a specific major league organization why? What's the, I mean, is it just way, are teams just finding it's just way too expensive to support all these teams? Is it just bottom line? There, there's, there's a lot of that. I mean, everything, you know, comes down to dollars and cents. And there's also a feeling that there's too many, you know, I, I've explained this before, Julie, if you take a draft and this year will be different, um, but normally the draft the last several years has been 40 rounds. So let's just take, if you get 40 picks, if a major, if a team gets five of those guys to the big leagues, 
they look at that as a, a successful draft. And I'm not saying that they become Mike Trout and Charlie Blackman and Nolan Arenado. That's just getting five guys who play at the big league level for some period of time. They look at that and hopefully have one guy who's impactful or, or is a solid contributor. They look at that baseball industry-wide. This is just Colorado Rockies philosophy. They look at that as a successful draft. So if you now go, okay, between Latin America and and free and minor league free agent signings, you know, if you have a uh, you know 150 guys in your system and yet only a relative handful are ever going to get to the big leagues, it seems like there's a lot of waste. And and you know, you're you're supporting these minor league franchises with salaries and so on. So I, I think that was the momentum uh, to contract a little bit. And we'll see where it goes because there are creative ideas, as I mentioned earlier, to take care of some of these smaller municipalities that really rely on on baseball uh, in the summer to bring in, you know, fans and, and to, you know, help the store, the, you know, the average storefront. You know, I've never been to uh, a game in Grand Junction to watch the minor league affiliate. I heard it's fantastic. It's great. And I, I, I'm biased because we used to broadcast, televise the Junior College World Series. And I know a lot of people over there and I keep in touch with a lot of people over there. Um, uh, you know, Chris Hanks, who's the head coach at, at Colorado Mesa, they're they're one of the top three or four Division two programs in the country year in and year out. As I mentioned, they do a, a fantastic job hosting the Junior College World Series. It, it doesn't matter that there's not a junior college involved in the area. They pour out, Julie, you know, seven, eight thousand, nine thousand every single night watching it, you know, a junior college from Texas play, a junior college from Illinois, a junior college from, you know, different parts of the country playing, and they pour out to watch these young, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-olds play baseball, and they have supported the, the Grand Junction Rockies in the same manner. So it, there, are, there are communities out there um, that, that are like Grand Junction that need to have baseball in some form. And even if they lose it in the current form, hopefully you know, Major League Baseball has a plan, whether it's a prospect league or you know, independent baseball, to keep those towns um, uh, keep teams in those towns in, in some sh- shape or form so uh, they don't lose it entirely. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, you had a nice long conversation with your broadcast partner, Jeff Houston. Huey, one of the best in the business. So we're going to hear from him. It's a fun conversation. But first, before we take that break, want to update people on Boyer's Coffee. I know that everybody that listens knows that Boyer's Coffee is one of our fantastic sponsors. As you know, I had a, a tragic fire. Nobody was hurt, but Basically, Boyer's Coffee is now starting from scratch. They are going to rebuild, and they're going to rebuild in the same place at 7295 Washington Street, which is fantastic. You can still find Boyer's in stores. You can still find a King Supers and Safeway and Walmart and Sam's Club. If you see Boyer's, buy it because it is uh, you're helping people out right now that really need it. want to give a shout-out to Odell Brewing Company and Rhino Brew House. They're at 2945 Larimer Street. They're friends of friends at Boyer's Coffee, and they are helping out the employees at Boyer's Coffee with some with free beer, which I think is so awesome when small businesses are helping small businesses. So I know that that's going on, and I just love that because Boyer's Coffee has been the community for a long time, and they've got a lot of friends and a lot of people supporting them. 
Yeah, and, and you know what? They're going to be back and they're going to be stronger than ever. Uh, so do support Boyer's Coffee. Also uh, support a guy I just got off the phone with about uh, 40 minutes ago, my good friend Brent Ivinson at Ideal Home Loans. Rates right now are at historic lows. I think I'm going to refi again, Julian. You know, I just did a deal with um, with uh, Brent and Ideal Home Loans uh, several months ago, but that's how good rates are right now. Give them a call, 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. You can refinance, you can consolidate debt. These are difficult times and rates are off the charts great right now. Don't hesitate. Give them a call. Brent Ivinson's crew at Ideal Home Loans, they're terrific. 303-867-7000. 303-867-7000. It also takes us to our interview of the week brought to you by Ideal Home Loans. One of my all-time favorite people uh, I get to share a booth with uh, along with another great buddy in in Ryan Spielborg's, obviously. But Jeff Houston and I have been together for more than 15 years. Um, I love him to death. I love his wife, Wendy. I love his kids. Um, so it, it was fun to catch up on, on the podcast and talk about uh, a myriad of subjects, including uh, a couple of historic baseball events that Huey uh, was very much involved with. Well, it is always good to catch up with my longtime partner, Jeff Hewson. Normally, we are somewhere in America getting ready to call a baseball game right now. We'd be standing around a batting cage, I'd assume. I, I don't even know. Are, are, would we be home, Huey, or on the road? Do you have any idea? Come on. You know I know where we would be. You're yeah. the one that never knows. You're always like, okay, where are we going to be like uh, in three days? We'd be in San Francisco right now. So we would be... At, what's the name of the park now? Uh, Oracle. You're, and I was I was struggling to remember that name the other day. But, folks, uh, Huey is absolutely right. There are times, you know, I'll, I'll know who we're playing, obviously, currently. And then I'm like, hey, who are we playing when we go home uh, on Sunday? <laughs> that is no joke either. It's like, okay, we're, we're, we're doing this. Or, or how many times during the course of the season will you go, okay, well, I know we're going to play, you know, the Mets or whenever, and I'll re- rattle off when that game is in, in August. And you're like, how do you remember that? I don't know. It's just that's what I do, and, and that's how I help you out too because I let you know who we're playing and when uh, we're playing. Uh, I know, and you're like a walking – you've like memorized the schedule – you know, you'll tell me the start times and everything. There, there's, a, there's also every once in a while, um, you'll rem- like we'll be uh, having a drink or something after the game, and you know we're going back to the hotel, and and you'll go, hey, remember tomorrow's a day game. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't want you to be late, and and a couple times you have said, oh man, thank you. Very oh, no times. Very few times, but a couple times you said thank you because I would have showed up at like uh, 3.30 like I normally do. And I said, yeah, we'd probably be in the sixth inning. Well, it's usually in San Diego because they have all kinds of weird start times, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's usually uh, all of a sudden they're playing a 4 o'clock game on a Saturday afternoon, which is kind of weird. It's like an in-between time. Anyhow, how are you holding up through all this? You know what? I think like like everybody else, uh, you know, okay, I'm surviving. Everybody's healthy, and I think that's the key thing right now. And I, I did hear something kind of interesting the other day, and, you know, how we're all in the same boat. 
I think everybody's in a different boat. We're all in the same storm, though. And, and, you know, everybody's got their own challenges and their own issues and everything that they deal with on a daily basis. But at the end of the day, you know, we've got our health, so that's good. Um, but I think everybody's kind of anxious to see what the next step is and where we go from here. Yeah. And, and I obviously people are getting antsy and, and so on. We, ha- we have to be safe in, in whatever uh, we do. We understand that. And I do think it's a good plan to kind of gradually get get the economy going again. And, and hopefully that means baseball. I just read today, and obviously I know you have as well, really in the last 24 hours as, as we taped this, that, you know, Major League Baseball, another one of the scenarios, they, they're just throwing ideas out there. And, and that's what every league should do. And, and nobody should take anything as hard and fast. But the latest idea that that kind of leaked out was was a three-state um deal huey arizona where, where you have another home and where we spend a lot of time florida naturally and now texas which has you know two dome stadiums the brand new one that was going to open uh, you know a few weeks ago in arlington where you used to play and and obviously down in houston not to mention there are a lot of college stadiums or ballparks that you would think could host Major League Baseball. What's your thoughts on this on this latest one? You know what I like. I like any sort of conversation about how we can get this going again in, in a safe manner and how we can bring sports back up, and because that's kind of a bonding thing through for, for everybody, and as long as it's done safely. So I, I like these ideas that are getting out there. I don't mind uh, saying, hey, if we have to go to Arizona for three or four months and. We end up playing uh, games down there. Would it would it be not as good as if we could play at home? Absolutely. Would it be not as good as if we could play in front of fans? Absolutely. But at the same time, I, I think the, the players right now, just uh, talking to a few of them, they're kind of like everybody else is like, yeah, I want to play, but I don't know what's going to happen. I, I like the idea, though, of let's at least have a conversation about way, way, how we can do this because – this is a one-shot deal, a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So it's not like, hey, if we do it this year, we got to do it for the next 10 years. No. Let's see how we can get the most games played in a safe environment, in the right way, and and then, you know what, we'll worry about 2021 when it comes around. Yeah, I, I could not agree with you more. And, and obviously, you and I talk all the time. But uh, when I read, I, I get where, where players have – you know, some reservations when you talk about not being with your families for four months. These are, again, are just ideas that they've thrown out. That doesn't mean that's going to be the policy, um, but everybody has to adjust. I mean, you made the most salient point 10 seconds ago. This is a once, hopefully, right, in a lifetime situation. Nobody's suggesting every year they're not going to be fans or that, it's going to be the Grapefruit League versus the Cactus League. Wake up. You have to adjust. These are, these are you know, completely unprecedented circumstances, and we all have to, you know, kind of do our part and say, okay, this is imperfect. I get that. Absolutely. And, and you know what? From a player standpoint, he's saying, oh, I don't want to be away from my family, and I get it. But, with it, you know, there's a lot of sacrifices made by a lot of individuals, um, men and women of our armed services, everybody makes sacrifices at times. And, and so I think for, as a player, you have to have that conversation with your family and say, hey, this is something I have to sacrifice for this season, and that is it. If that means 
you know, not being able to see you for a little bit. And this is what we got to do to make sure that we can play this year. And, and you know what, again, who knows if this is going to be the final decision or would they decide, well, maybe we can go open up in, in ten ballparks. And I, I don't know, but I, I just like at least to have the conversation of where could this possibly go? Because it seems like every single day kind of the, the narrative or the information that we're getting is changing. So who knows in a week we could be talking about something completely different. Yeah, I, I remain um, really optimistic that there's going to be a major league season. It, it clearly is not going to be 162 games, but I still hold out hope, Huey, that that they can play somewhere in the neighborhood of 120 if they're creative and you get buy-in from the players and you know put your old player hat on again. I mean, if you start July 1st and if they played the regular season through October and add double headers, even if you know, one or two of them are, are the seven-inning variety. It behooves the players to play more games because the more games you play, the you know, you're going to get closer to your full salary. And obviously ownership would want to play as many games as possible. I still think you can get a buck 20 in. I would agree. If, you, if you're committed to doing it, like we were saying, where you go all the way through October and then you do the playoffs in a neutral side, a warm weather site, and and take the playoffs through November. And there's nothing wrong with that to say, okay, your next offseason is going to be shorter. But if we get close to 120 games, then I think the players would buy into that. The owners, I would assume, would buy into it. So for me, if you could do it, then then why not? And then, like I said, 2021, we can go back to our normal how we do things, how we have spring training, how we play games, how we travel, do all of that. Yeah, you know, and, and that's that's really the bottom line. I want to take you back to your career because you, you played uh, for more than, you know, 12 years, 12 seasons in the big leagues and more than 10 years of service time. Uh, you played with a, a number of you know, great players, but you were involved, and, and I think people who follow the Rockies are aware of this, really two uh, significant events or three significant events uh, that, that most baseball uh, folks are aware of. One is, is, you know, one of the great baseball records of all time, Cal Ripken, and you were playing, you know, next to him the night he broke Lou Gehrig's uh, mark. What struck you most about the record and that season as he was, you know, the countdown began. Well, I mean, it's funny, too, because the other night, it was probably two weeks ago now on ESPN, they replayed that game. And it's the first time that I've really watched that game from beginning to end. I've seen snippets of it. I've seen me uh, at various times. I remember the you know, the unveiling of the number, but to actually sit there and watch the game now, to what, 25 years later, uh, it, it was, it was remarkable. It was really fun to watch. But what I remember about that was in spring training, the other thing that, that he did was, was really pretty cool is he gave everybody an Iron Man watch. And you're thinking, okay, Iron Man for the Iron Man. No, he wanted you to make sure that if your batting practice started at 10:15, that you were there at 10:15. I mean, you weren't late. You everything was on a schedule, and so everybody had a place where they needed to be, and there was nothing left to chance. And that's the one thing that uh, kind of struck me during that time is like, wow, this is 
this is a different level than I had seen. And, and I had been with some great players prior to that, but just to watch him is a commitment to what he was doing each and every day was, was remarkable. Did you have a moment that year, Huey, in the clubhouse at four in the afternoon where you go, shoot, I wonder if he can post up tonight? Oh, there was, a, there was more than a couple times that, uh, you know, I know his knee was barking really bad one day, and I saw him walk in the, the clubhouse, and uh, I'm thinking, oh, man, this this could be it. It's not a case where he's he looks like he could go out there. And then, lo and behold, next thing you know, he's running out there. Let's go. Let's, you know, like it was just a, another day of this is what I do. And, and you know, he did it for – I don't know how many straight years, but I, you know, it was over 25, 2,600 games that he did it. But it was, golly, just to see him go and you think, you know, because every player goes through that. When they come to the ballpark, sometimes they're like, man, I, I'm not sure I can go today. And then you find the way to do it. But to do it for that many straight years um, is it, still mind-boggling. You know, you're competing with and, and playing along with you know, the best players on the planet. And again, you did it for a long period of time. Uh, Was there ever a point in time where you were somewhat in awe of whether it be Cal Ripken or somebody you played against? I think there's always uh, a point where you sit there and you, you marvel at somebody because we're all... We're all playing in the big leagues, so that means we're all at the the top of our game. But there's guys that are better than you, and there are guys that that you look at and you go, "Man, I I, I can't even imagine trying to play the game like they do because it looks like it's so effortless." I feel the work they put in, but they're just better than everybody else too, even at that level. And and I mean, obviously, I I played with Nolan Ryan, I played with Ken Griffey Jr., I played with Cal, I played with Robbie Elmore, I played with Larry Walker. I mean, these guys, those five or six guys I just mentioned, were so much better than everybody else. And you just kind of look at them and go, I can't believe I'm I'm actually on the same field with them. I don't deserve to be, but I'm glad I am. I have like, you know, literally a holy shit moment because there's a couple for me as a, as a you know, a baseball fan connoisseur. When Todd Helton came up his last home game and against Jake Peavy, he hits a home run. And you go, yeah. unbelievable. But, you know, the great ones, Derek Jeter in his final game at Yankee Stadium, you know, hard base hit to right to drive in the game-winning run. I mean, you know, some guys' careers just are storybook. Well, Cal – in that game where he breaks the Iron Man's record, he hits a home run, right? <laughs> exactly. He homers and it was literally on the bench. Everybody looked at each other and go, are you kidding me? Are you effing kidding me that he just did that? And I can't believe it because nobody does that. Nobody hits a home run in that sort of game with, with, 40 million people watching or however many people were watching. But for him, he was just like, yeah, I just did that. No big deal. And for, for Cal, he kind of downplayed it, but everybody on the bench just – if you could have picked up everybody's jaw off the, the floor, you, you would have. Yeah, it, it's really remarkable how – you know, it's like – I don't know if you caught it the other day, the Jordan, the first two pieces of the Jordan uh, – you know, his last season, I don't know if you watched that on ESPN, Huey, 
Um, it, it's really captivating television because there are certain people, certain athletes that truly are different. Obviously, Michael Jordan was different, but guys like Cal Ripken, different, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I did see part of that uh, Jordan thing, and, and there are there. It, you know, everybody looks at these guys and they and they marvel. At, at what they can do, but when you have guys in the sport that are playing with them or against them, also are marveling. You know that 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 it's a different level than everybody else that that can. Because it doesn't matter. How, I mean, obviously, I worked my tail off to to get there, but I could have worked, you know, three times as hard. I would have never come close to what these guys could do, and so. To watch him on a different level, you know, in the in the locker room with them or whatever it may be, but when they can do what they're doing, you do have an appreciation as a, as a player. You do admire what they can do. I know you've told this story quite a bit. It's one of my favorite stories, and um, and you have you have a bunch of them. But you had just correct me if I'm wrong. Just gotten traded to Texas. Nolan Ryan was with Texas. <laughs> yeah, and it was um, you were one of a hand. This happens a lot in spring training. I, I'll let you tell us, but you were one one of a handful of players. Nolan was throw was getting his work in, but on a backfield, and obviously he wanted to face hitters. And you were one of the hitters chosen. Is that? Yeah. I'll, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, this and actually, what's funny about this is every time I'm with Nolan and we're somewhere, he has me tell this story, and it's kind of funny because I had just been traded from Montreal to Texas. It was my second day with the Rangers. We only had about two days before we broke camp, and we're heading back to Arlington to open up. And um, so we had a simulated game. Bobby Valentine was our manager. He said, "Huey, stay back." You know, catch your breath. You're, you made the team. Uh, you're going to stay back with five or six other guys. You're going to have a simulated game. Nolan's going to throw. We'll have minor leaguers that play in the field. So you'll get a lot of at-bats against him. I'm like, oh, great, super. Um, so my first time up, I, I hit a double into the right center field gap. Uh, you know, the batters come around. So he, I got a lot of at-bats against him in a short amount of time. And so my next time up, I walk. My next time up, I triple. My next time up, I walk. And I'm thinking, gee whiz, what, what's going to happen now? So my, my fifth time up, I go up there, and Nolan looks at me. And I've never met him. I mean, we're on the same team, but I've never met him until this moment. He looks at me and pulls his hat down. And there's nobody in the stands, and he goes, boy, how many hits you got off me today? And I said, zero. And he goes, good answer. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm going to get drilled. This is Nolan Ryan. I mean, you know, everybody knows the stories about how, how he is out on the hill. And so he throws the fastball in on my hands. Somehow I fought it off the broken black, uh, bat bleeder over the second baseman's head and I get to first base and I can hardly look at him and he kind of looks at me and just kind of gives me a little smile <laughs> like oh my god thank you for not killing me so that was it the game was over I got my broken bat we go into the, the, the locker room and he's sitting over in the corner he had just got done riding the bike he's icing and again I had not met him yet 
I walk up with my broken bat and a sharpie pen, and then I say, uh, Mr. Ryan, can you sign this bat for me? <laughs> this, is a te- this is a teammate now. Teammates. Teammates. And he goes, uh, yeah, he goes, by the way, I'm Nolan. I was like, okay, good to, good to know. Uh, he signed my bat, and, uh, and, and that was kind of how that friendship started. Yeah, you know, I love I love the guys that have the humility that um, they'll they'll say their name like Jim Tomey's this way. I'm trying to think of some other guys I've met that you know you'll meet them and they'll say, "Hey, nice to meet you, Jim Tomey," and they'll give you their full name like most of us do when you're meeting somebody for the first time, right? But you almost yeah. want to you almost want to go like when he said, "I'm Nolan," you want to go, "Yeah, no shit." No. <laughs> Exactly. Well, hey, remember a few years ago we were, you know, when Peyton Manning couldn't work out because of his neck issue and uh, he was just trying to come back, but he couldn't work out at the Broncos facility, so he's come to Coors Field. And he was in an office there down in, in the clubhouse, and, and I forget whose office it was, but it, it, I ended up walking in there, and it was just he and I, and I was like, holy cow, that's, that's Peyton Manning. And so I, I stuck out my hand and said, hi, I'm Jeff Houston. He goes, hi, Peyton Manning. I'm like, yeah, I know that, okay. But, again, it goes to your point that it's Peyton Manning. And he's sitting there going, no, hey, um, I, you know, I'm just a regular guy. I'm really good at what I do, but I'm just a regular guy. Yeah. The only time I've ever seen you starstruck was we were at Dodger Stadium. Oh, it's, you know, time flies. It's, you know, we're at Dodger Stadium a lot. It was four or five years ago. And and Ben Scully obviously was still was still broadcasting, and our booths naturally are right next to each other. And you and I have told this story a million times about you know Vin is, is the greatest broadcast baseball broadcaster ever, but an even finer gentleman. And as as we go by, there was Vin, one of his dear friends, was in the booth with him, and I'll let you pick up the story from there. Well, and, and, you know, when we go into Dodger Stadium a lot, there's a lot of stars that you see and people that you, you recognize, maybe from TV or other you know, players from bygone eras. But when we walked by that day and I saw Sandy Koufax, I was like, oh, my goodness. I, 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 I can't even talk. I, I can't even talk. It was like – it was like a, a little kid right then and there, and to be able to say hi and, and shake Sandy Koufax's hand was still a, a dream come true. Because I, I don't know why, too. It's because it's not like he was a hitter. It wasn't like, uh, you know, seeing uh, one of the greats of, you know, a Joe DiMaggio or, you know, a Ted Williams or somebody like that. He was a pitcher, and I was a position player. But still, I just thought that what Sandy Koufax represented, how good he was and how dominating he was, it just made me feel like I was a six-year-old kid again and wearing my Little League uniform, and I got to meet Sandy Koufax. You know what? I remember that day, and, and there's something regal about Koufax in that, I mean, he's, you know, he's 80 plus now, and yet he, you, you don't feel like you're with, uh, a, you know, an older gentleman, if you will. He honestly, he always, he has always has this a handsome appearance that he's like 40, you know, and, and, exactly. just, and just retired. Yeah. Uh, pretty, it, it's pretty neat. With, with this time off, what are you finding that you miss the most about what you and I do for a living now? 
I think that the daily interaction, not only with our crew, I miss our crew a lot because we got a lot of great people on our on our broad, broadcast crew, and I'm talking about people on the truck too. I miss all that. You know what I miss though is hanging around the cage during batting practice. I always found, and I, I I still find it today when I go to the park, because a lot of our work is already, I, I don't want to say done at that point, but we've done a lot of our research. We put in our lineups, and, we, you know, we, we go around the cage to, to talk to the guys and see them, but that's the time where you just kind of sit there and you get to enjoy just the, the purity of baseball, watching guys take ground balls, watching them throw across the diamond, watching them take their batting practice. So to me, that's the time that I miss the most, just watching the the, the orchestra of batting practice. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, I, I, I know we, we, you know, stand next to each other, you know, a good portion of that time talking to guys on our, uh, on the Rockies and visiting teams and you get to see some old friends, you know, some coaches that you may have, you know, been involved with and some some of your old buddies in the game. But uh, I'm with you. And I, I've said this many times. I um, I, I feel and I, I'm not trying to be tried. I feel so privileged to do what we do. And there are many times during the season where I'll pinch myself and go, man, this is really cool. Um, not not just not not because you are hero worshiping, you know, that's that's not who I am. I'm that, you know, everybody puts their pants on the same way. It's just, we love the game so much and we love, you know, watching the best players in the world play it. And I, and I also miss, you know, I miss our crew. I miss the camaraderie with you and Spilly and Corey and Jenny and all in our group. But I, I also, I miss the art of broadcasting, of being able to tell stories or lead you into stories like you've just told great stories about Nolan and Cal and, and guys that you've entered Sandy Koufax, guys that you've interacted with. And, um, you know, soon enough, right? Exactly. And, and, and that's what um, I, I hope it is sooner rather than later. But Sometimes, you know, when, when people talk about, hey, absence makes the heart grow fonder, well, I think this is the case with me and baseball. Because um, going into it, this would have been my 35th year, and, and you know, still, we, we, we're, we're going to do it, but it's my 35th year in pro baseball. And I've come to the realization that I love this game. <laughs> I love being around it, and I I don't want to miss that. I don't want to ever give it up. And and I I still think I I pinch myself like you that at times to be blessed to be in this game this long, but at the same time this this extra time I've had off made me realize how much I miss it and how much is it's in my blood in my bones whatever you want to say it's it's in there and I can't get it out and I'm glad for that. Yeah, I've, I've said this uh, to you and others many times. You know, I hope they don't kick my ass out of it for for, <laughs> a, for for a long time because I, you know, again, I love what I do and you know, and being involved with the Rockies uh, organization, et cetera. But I said, listen, um, when they do, you know, give give me a fishing hat and let me go scout <laughs> so I can right, exactly right so can, exactly that. I mean, yeah. that's that's the beauty of it too is. And just like you, and I think, you know, for my kids, too, to be able to pass the knowledge of the game on, because I know you've done it with your boys, and I've done it with mine, and the love of the game that they have, um, that, to me, even if, you know, when we're 
75 or 80. Hopefully we make it that long and we're watching a ball game with the kids and the grandkids. I can't wait for those moments too because it is a special game. It is uh, It is the best. And um, I think you articulated it perfectly that the heart grows fonder when something's taken away. And It's 35 straight years for you in baseball. This is the first April that Wendy's had to put up with you on a day-to-day basis. How's that going? Oh, you know what? It, it's like anything. It just seems like our off season got extended just a little bit. But she has been saying lately, um, you know, I know you can't go anywhere, but maybe if you go on a walk this way, I'll go that way. <laughs> right? Yeah. I to, I think I told this story last week, Huey. Real, real quick. Um, one of my football partners years ago, Keith Jackson, you remember the former tight end? Yeah, 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 yeah. Great, great guy. And we were getting to know each other. And, we, and he happened to be over um, our house in, in town here. Um, and and this, go, this goes back to like Big 12 football about 20 years ago or something. Anyhow, he, you know, he's asked me what I, you know, what else I do. And at the time, um, I was doing the Nuggets. And he said, oh, man, so you're gone a lot. He goes, shoot. He goes, you're not married. He goes, I thought I was married until I retired. Then you're married. <laughs> exactly. You know what? People always say, well, what's it like? You know, you're, it's either feast or famine. Either I'm away uh, way too much or I'm home way too much. But to us, it's our normal. So we're, we're used to it. It's just the, the, the together too much right now has just yeah. been extended a little too long. Yeah. Hey, last thing. One of the things I do miss right now is, like you mentioned earlier, that we would be in San Francisco. And again, we're, we're fortunate to go to you know major league cities or are typically great cities, and we have you know our favorite places to go eat and our favorite places to wander around during the day. And you know, I, I miss that. I mean, uh, uh, I really do. I miss that aspect of it as well. You know what? Because we, we go to these cities and we kind of have our routines in each city. Well, you know, what do we do? Where, where uh, you and I both know where every Starbucks is in the city. And then, you know, some of these cities, um, we, we, we take the car together and we, right from the hotel to the ballpark, we'll talk about the game or, you know, we'll stop for another coffee. And then I've got to hide my eyes while you're driving, uh, cause I'm scared <laughs> you're going to hit something, but <laughs> it, it is, fun to think about these cities that we go to and what we do and how we, you know, we, we, we've got our own little routine and, and the restaurants we like to go to eat. And, you know, all those little things I miss too. Yeah. And by the way, um, your fear has never been realized because I've never hit anybody or anything in all those times driving together. So I do not understand those sentiments. Well, I don't know how. I'm glad you haven't, but I close my eyes too. So I'm a little more relaxed then i don't see what's going to happen uh somehow we end up at the stadium and we're like oh i can take my seatbelt off now we made it i'm an excellent driver do you remember that time we almost did the pasquale perez in atlanta (laughs) i forgot about that we we did drive around the city or the the ballpark at least once i think right and we did and that was the old uh uh, that was uh fulton county stadium yeah you know what? We got we were there by the first pitch, man. They went on camera. We, we were. Yeah. <laughs> hey, do you, right now during the off season, do you? Because I just had this dream last night that I the game was like at seven o'clock, and we didn't leave the hotel till like six thirty. And I'm thinking, there's no way we're gonna make it, or I can't find the booth, or I look at my watch and going, you know, we got the opener here in two minutes, and I haven't, I don't know where I'm going or what I'm gonna say. Do you have those dreams right now? 
Um, I haven't, I have not lately. I do know what you're talking about, but also, as you well know, I'm, I'm good when Dougie's helping me put my jacket on as I'm actually welcoming people into the ballpark. People stuff, stuff people don't see. Folks, if, if that is no lie either. If you could have seen it, Drew's walking in, and Drew's one of those people real quick that also sets his watch ahead. So then he backtracks how many minutes he still has available. But one time he was walking in, the lights were on, our our producer was talking in our ear, three, two, one, you grab the mic, Doug's helping you put your jacket on, and you would have acted like you had been there for 30 minutes. Nobody would have been the wiser, but you nailed that open just like you always do. Well, that's, you know what? It's, you have to add challenges sometimes. So um. that's again, I just close my eyes. And it's funny, too, because we have stage, uh, you know, uh, uh, people that help us during the game. And some of them, they start to freak out, like, where's Drew? Where's Drew? And I always have to just, you know, calm them down. Say, don't worry. He's never missed an open in 15 years. He'll be here. Don't stress about it. So they're getting all nervous, but you always make it in at least with five, six seconds to spare. Absolutely. You're, you're giving away trade secrets now. Uh, <laughs> hey, listen, I, I, I hope we have the opportunity real soon, again, for all Rockies fans and baseball fans in general, uh, you know, to be laughing and, and telling, creating more stories like that. And uh, again, uh, I'm optimistic. It, it's not in the too distant future. It's going to look a little different this year, but we'll get through it. Yeah, absolutely, brother. I, I, I'm with you. I can't wait for it to come back. Be safe. Be uh, Stay healthy and all that other stuff until we can see each other again. Absolutely. Love you, brother. Take care, man. Love you, too, man. See you, buddy. Right. That interview with Jeff Hewson was brought to you by Ideal Home Loans. You know, Jeff was involved, as you heard, with, with so many interesting moments. You know, he played behind Nolan in his sixth and seventh no hitters, but I, I love that story, and that's why I had him retell it. The first time he's Nolan's teammate, and he he hadn't officially met him yet, and he and he's you know lining the ball all over the ballpark on a backfield uh, against him, and, and it's great because you can see. I mean, Nolan's reputation. He goes, "Boy, how many hits do you have?" and and Jeff didn't hesitate. He said, "None." And he goes, "Good answer." <laughs> he was very smart. Yeah. No. I thought your conversation about um, having that nightmare about not getting to the booth. Um, I call those work mirrors. And I've had multiple when I used to be in the broadcasting business, like a producer in my ear would be saying like three, two, one. I'm like, what am I saying? Like, what am I doing? Um, And you've never had a work mirror. Julie, I never heard that term work mirror. And I think it's a great term. So you're not going to believe this. We're taping this on a Tuesday. I, I did the interview with Huey yesterday, Monday, and you heard a, a, during our interview, he, he was talking about, you know, a work mare, as you call it. And I said, no, I haven't had any. Julie, I am not BSing you. Last night, I, you know, I, I go to sleep, whatever. I wake up this morning. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have this dream that baseball's starting again. Mm-hmm. And I go down to the ballpark and it's it's now opening day and they're fans, which, boy, that would be awesome. Right. And yeah. it doesn't I mean, I, I guess it's Coors Field, but I'm going in a way that I've never gone before. And I'm climbing stairs and I keep climbing stairs, Julie, and I can't get to the booth. And then I realized, Julie, that I'm wearing 
are kind of when our warm weather stuff. Like I'm wearing, you know, pants and, and a polo shirt that says AT&T Sportsnet on it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's opening day. We have to be in suits. And then I realized, Julie, I didn't bring my huge work bag with all my stuff in it, my scorebook, you know, and all my, you know, books, et cetera. And I'm in a panic and I know I can't go back home because there's no way I'll get back. There's too many people in traffic. It's opening day. So I call my house and for, you know, for some reason, my dad is there and my older sister. And I'm like, okay, you got to bring, just grab a suit, bring a, a you know, a, a tie and a shirt and grab me. And this was like, it was really particular. Grab me one of my pair of socks that has, you know, all different patterns, colors on it. So it'll go and grab my work bag. And I finally get to the, the booth, but it doesn't look like a booth. It kind of looks like an office and Huey's there and he's dressed to the nines and he just kind of came off the field and he goes, yeah, batting practice was great. Talked to a lot of guys. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in a panic. I didn't get to batting practice. I didn't talk to anybody. I don't have a work bag and I'm not dressed properly. I called him today and we laughed for like we laughed for like five minutes on this because over the course of time, we've mentioned this on the air. When you're with somebody so frequently, it's like the husband wife deal where you can finish each other's sentences. Mm-hmm. That happens to us a lot. So he tells me about this work mayor yesterday, Julie, and I had the damn thing last night. Aren't they scary? Because they're so real and you're so screwed, right? Yeah. I'm like, baseball's finally back. I'm so excited. I'm not <laughs> dressed right. I didn't bring my bag. And we're, we're, these are the stairs from hell. I can't, I, they don't end. <gasps> oh, that's funny. I hope you have better dreams tonight. <laughs> I, I do hope I have better dreams. I hope, you know what dream I hope I have? That I wake up tomorrow morning and we read, you know what? Baseball is going to be starting. It's going to happen on June 23rd. That would be awesome. You know, through one day that will happen and yep. we will be talking about it. So for now, uh, have a great night. Sleep much better. And I'll see you next week for episode 42. Yeah, everybody stay well, stay safe. Jules, take care. And, uh, and we'll talk to you all shortly. Ooh.